Hey, hey. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> Welcome to Making Changes You Love to Live With podcast. I'm Kirsten Galfan, your host. I started my company, Fitness Inspired, in 2008. I have my master's degree in exercise science. And yeah, I started my company with the mission and the vision of making changes you love to live with. And I'm so excited to continue doing that every single day. And I'm going to be here weekly with your dose of inspiration, applications, strategies, and tips to make changes you love to live with. Welcome back to a Do The Thing group coaching session. Ooh, 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 get pumped. I like that you have your notes all ready to go. Nicole is incredible. She already sent me a bunch of notes on what we're going to talk about and work on today. And it's so complete and I want to get right into it. Uh, she also was on the podcast before and it's one of the most listened to podcast episodes. So if you haven't listened to that, check it out. It's a good one. And there was a few times in the podcast where I was like, just being honest right now, this is like, uh, stresses me out. And so she helped work, work me through it. Um, so it was so good. She is, uh, she believes in fitness. She teaches fitness. She's taught fitness inspired classes before and she's a registered dietitian. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Nicole. Yeah, um, I think it's funny that I actually haven't wa- uh, listened to the podcast I was on. Um, I know, I told you I would. I hate hearing myself. Uh, maybe you feel the same way. Um, so maybe someday I'll listen to it. I should, because it would probably help me just, you know, be a better speaker. Um, but I thought that was kind of funny that I haven't yet. Um, so that I am- wait, Just wait, just wait. Let's let, let's let that, this is a group coaching session. So let's let that be a lesson for us, okay? Not that you sh- she should. See how she said should? I should listen to that. Because um, I actually said sometimes with things like that, when you're doing something newer, I actually would suggest like getting your reps in first because I don't know, this happens to me. Let me know if this has ever happened to you where you get yourself geared up and it's a good thing. You're going to do a new good thing right? Get yourself geared up and you do the thing. Good job. Acknowledge that, Nicole. You did the thing. Awesome work. You helped so many people by doing the thing. But then what happens, has this ever happened to you, is you're like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and listen to that. Let me get better at that, whatever, whatever. And then you listen to it or watch yourself do it or get some like constructive feedback from somebody who's an expert in the field. And you're like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Is that helping anyone? No. I'm so glad you said that. That's such a great point. So give yourself a pat on the back for helping people as you continue to, because podcasts live on. They <laughs> live on, so they'll continue to help people. And please tell us we're not alone if this has ever happened to you. And so for what I take from it is get your reps in. Let's get your reps in. Like, for example, when I started my podcast, it took me two years to start my podcast. 
Yes. Two years. I had two or three people say like, you should really start a podcast. I have always thought I love podcasts. I think that'd be super fun, but it took me two years to start the podcast. And so I made a commitment before I started the podcast was like, look, I am going to get my reps in before I start saying I'm not very good at this. (laughs) Okay. So let that all be a lesson. Let's get into food planning, efficient, easy. (laughs) Let's get to it. Okay. Go girl. Thank you so much. And thanks for letting me be here. Um, so I'm a, like Kirsten said, I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I also am certified as an intuitive eating counselor. So I help people um, heal and cultivate a healthy relationship with their food, mind, and body. Um, so as I present this information, it will be through that framework and that um, frame of mind. Uh, so if you're like me, um, you may have tried all sorts of apps, um, maybe paper versions, electronic versions of meal planning, and I've tried a lot of them too. And the method I found that helps me make meals at home and do it quite frequently is more of a minimal approach. Um, so my first tip, I have two tips that I'm gonna share with you today. The first tip is to pick your top recipes and to stick with them. So I realized a while ago that I was constantly bringing in new recipes Um, and I started to feel like I wasn't sure what my favorites were. If someone came up and asked me like what meals you make, I could maybe say two or three. I just didn't know what my go-to meals were. And I started to realize that was probably making it harder for me to prepare meals at home. So I decided to make a list of 20 recipes and actually have them on my phone. Um, It's in the notes section. And that's what I recommend to people, um, that they pick 10, 20, 30 meals and stick with them. And whatever variety you want, if you want more, maybe go for 25, 30. If you want less, 10 might be a good option. But there's some good reasons for this, I found. Um, The first one is that it decreases decision-making time. So if you've um, talked to people who declutter their wardrobe, um, this is um, a benefit as well where they can pick out an outfit a lot faster because they have less options. So I found the same thing is true with meal planning. If I have those 20 options that I'm picking from, I can plan meals for the week in about five minutes. Um, Or even when I'm in the grocery store with three little children, I can meal plan, which is very difficult, um, but it's easier when I have more of a minimal approach. So I found that to be really helpful. And the second thing I found is it reduces time grocery shopping. So if you're familiar with your recipes, you know what to buy and where to find those items. So you can kind of zip around the store and quickly get your items. When I was bringing in new recipes constantly, there's always that one or two ingredients they have where you're not quite sure where it's at in the grocery store and you're like looking through all the shelves. Um, And I'm not one to like ask people for where things are at in the store. (laughs) Um, So I would just like wander around for 10, 15 minutes. Um, So I found it was really helpful for speeding up the uh, grocery shopping time if you know what you're looking for. Um, I think also food storage is um, easier to build up a food storage. I didn't have a food storage before COVID. Um, That's when I started one. And granted, I've always lived in small apartments. Um, They've always been less than 800 square feet, and I've had young kids living there, and um, it was just harder to find space, and we never really had food storage. Um, But with COVID, we decided it might be a good idea, and you don't have to buy a ton of food. It can be small, Um, but I found that was so helpful 
for making meals at home. I can't tell you how often I start making a meal at five or 5.30 and I just need that one can or that two cans and to run downstairs and have it there is just such a lifesaver. And I feel like if you have your recipes. I was just curious, maybe I'm the only one, but what do you mean by food storage? Like, it seemed like a turning point. You're like, and then I started food storage and I was like, what is food storage? Pyrex <laughs> storage? <laughs> so in my church, we have, we're like huge into food storage. Um, so for me, it's just like such a common term, but I will definitely um, explain what that is. So it's just having extra food on hand. Um, so it's having, you know, 10 cans or whatever of diced tomatoes or um, some extra flour, you know, a couple of pounds of flour. Um, just extra food on hand, if that makes sense. Okay. So I take it you had like some kind of mindset shift that you wanted to have that on hand, but then that is, I have some questions on that too. So you like, how do you not get overwhelmed? Like, what is your thoughts on if you want to take, if we want to take a baby step towards that? So we have our list of of 10 recipes. And I would always say start with a smaller. So she said 10 to 20 or 25 if you want to go crazy. But if you don't have a list to begin with, let's start with 10, right? So mm -hmm. you have your list and then you can always add a couple to the list once you get going. Um, but then does that tie in with the food storage or is this a separate thing? Or can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, it definitely ties into the food storage. I think it's easier to build up um, a reserve because you know what ingredients you're often using in the recipes. Um, for example, I use coconut milk for two of my recipes. So I can quickly grab two, three, four cans and just have those on hand. And it also can be a way to save money because if you start to see these um, ingredients on sale, you can buy a couple extra because you know you're gonna use them um, in the future. But yeah, as far as like, you know, if you find your recipes and you stick with them, you don't have to, um, you can always add or take away too. If there's a recipe that you like and enjoy and you see on the internet and you want to try it out, you can always add that as well. But for me, I found um, just decreasing the frequency of how often that happens was really, really helpful. Let's go back to your first tip about the minimal approach of your top go-to recipes. If something were going to stop us, how would you suggest either having a mindset or like working on kind of like it's worth the, the front end effort? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I have a couple more um, benefits to that. So that might be helpful as you're like okay, deciding yes. if you want to take the approach or not. Um, so I'll just finish those and then we can backtrack. And as far as the food storage, oh. you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of food. Um, just I, one of my favorite quotes is by small and simple things, great things come to pass. So really, if you're on the store, you're at the store and just buying some extra flour. And that's just a place to start and putting it somewhere. You can start there. Hey, hey, thanks for listening. I wanted to introduce to you a few of my friends who are also entrepreneurs, small businesses who I think are making a great impact. Here they are. Hi, I'm Beth with The Grounded Canary. For as long as I can remember, I have loved sitting at the feet of others. Miracles happen there in that space of compassion and connection. When hopes, dreams, pains, and loss can be expressed and shared, life changes. This is how I see my role as your life coach. 
I'm here to be present and to reflect you back to yourself without judgment. We all could use less of that, couldn't we? I see you, and I would love to come alongside you to see you fly. Check out thegroundedcanary.com for more information. Take care. Hi, I'm Marin Walseth with Elevating Leaders. Are you striving for more in 2021? Do you need to pivot yet again, but aren't sure which move is the right move to make? I'm a business and leadership coach. I partner with business owners to design a one-page plan, nailing down objectives, strategies, and action plans to elevate their business. I want to support you as you upgrade your skills to elevate your life. Find me at marnwalseth.com. That's M-A-R-E-N-W-A-L-S-E-T-H. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Hi, I'm Amy Hovey, your Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today at 989-772-0153. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Okay, sweet. Now let's get back to our workshop. All right. So the next um, reason, and um, I think this is a good approach, is it decreases brain power. So um, you know, you, when you're making a dinner and you've just worked all day and or you've been parenting all day or both, um, when that 5 o'clock, 5.30 comes around, um, you're tired. And if you have a new recipe, it's, it's harder to make that recipe because you have to be careful about reading it. You have to go back and forth between you know, your laptop or your phone to make sure that you're doing it correctly. Um, but I found that if I'm making these recipes over and over again and maybe even have them memorized, you can really rip that um, meal out super fast, just like nobody's business. And oftentimes it's even faster than having to go out and pick food up from a restaurant or wherever and then coming back. Um, so I found that was really helpful. Probably the biggest benefit was it just took less brain power. Um, and then my last benefit is it helped reduce waste. I found when I was bringing in new recipes, there was always that one or two ingredients that seemed to be the only um, time I used it. Um, maybe it was pistachios or craisins. And then they just sit in my pantry for um, months and months and months. I never used them. And I found um, it was harder to get to the things I did use because they're blocking the way. Um, I can't tell you how often my husband would come in and I'd be throwing out food. And he's like, wait, I didn't know that was in the fridge. And um, because you just couldn't see it, there was a lot of things there that we didn't use and that were blocking us from getting um, what we wanted and what we wanted to eat. Um, so I found that was really helpful. So um, those are my benefits of why I chose this approach. Um, but back to you, Kirsten, and kind of rephrase to me, what was your question again about how to get this started? Is that what your question was? Yeah, so Okay, no, hearing that, I want us all to think about what we think would stop us from taking the steps and doing the things. I want to hear what you have to say about the getting bored and like figuring out with the family of how this is going. What are your thoughts on consistency and being bored and getting your family on board, Nicole? Yeah, I think that's um, a valid concern for sure. So, 
For me, how I use it is I have the meals written on my phone and then it isn't something I rotate through. Um, it just depends on how I feel that week. Um, so when I decide what I'm going to make that week, I usually pick between three to four meals and then I plan the rest of those days to be leftovers. Um, so it, I go to my kitchen and see what do we have um, and then how do what do I want to eat? What does my family, what, we're in, what are we in the mood for? Are we moved for hamburgers that week or um, for something different? Um, so that I haven't ever run into the problem of feeling bored, um, but I think you could try it out. And if you start out with 10 recipes and you feel like, oh man, this is um, getting boring, I don't want food to be boring. <laughs> I'm very much um, for food being pleasurable and for it being satisfying. Um, so adding more meals in that case. But I found that the flexibility of it um, keeps things interesting um, where each week really is different. That's cool. I like it. So Susan says, I do this weekly on paper. I love the idea of having 20 to 30 recipes to choose from my phone. That's true. Like we all do better with a menu, I feel. And especially with Nicole's approach, she, I love the value you put in. Sometimes I just go straight for the efficiency and not all of my family would agree with that decision. So please teach us more things on that. So I'm gonna jump into my second. Yeah. And that is um, making meals with high staying power and that will increase efficiency. So it's kind of a mouthful and let me explain. Um, maybe you've had the experience where you finish a meal or a snack and then 30 minutes, an hour later, you're back in the kitchen, you're on the hunt looking for something because you feel like something is missing or you feel hunger again. So in that case, it's probably that the meal or snack you had had low staying power. And I'll talk more about what that means. Um, staying power is um, how long a food, a meal will stay with you. And there are certain nutrients that have more or less of that ability. Um, so the nutrients that have more of that are protein and that increases satiety or a feeling of fullness when you have protein to a meal. Um, fat is another one. It is the slowest part of the meal to be digested. So it makes things nice and long and it also just makes it feel more satisfying and full. Um, the next one is carbs and that can help with um, just overall bulk and feeling of fullness. And it also helps to regulate your blood sugar levels. And our cells, they need energy in order to work and run properly. Um, so you need carbs and then fiber that just helps slow down digestion. Uh, so protein, fat, um, carbohydrates, and fiber are the four things that are going to help your meals have more staying power. So let me um, share an example. Let's say that you are going to eat a meal and you start out with white bread, um, which is fine. I don't like to demonize food, so I'm not going to like, um, you know, throw white bread under the bus. Um, but if you start out with that, um, it will have some carb and that will last you a little bit. But you're probably going to find, you know, maybe 30 minutes later that you're hungry again. So if you switch that piece of bread out for a um, 100 percent whole wheat piece of bread that has fiber. So you're adding another element of staying power. So that one's gonna last you a little bit longer. You can go any even further. You could add avocado, you can make avocado toast and the avocado has fat and that's gonna keep it going even longer. Um, you could add egg to your toast that has protein. Um, and you could even add an apple that has more carbs and more fiber and just increase the staying power so that it's going to last you a lot longer. 
Um, because if you're planning and shopping and preparing for these meals, you really want it to be an investment of your time that, you know, that you're going to have meals that will sustain you for two, four, six hours where you can eat your food, enjoy it, have a satisfying, pleasurable experience, and then move on with your life um, where you can be fully engaged in that work activity or parenting your children or whatever you're doing and not having this nagging feeling in the back of your head of hunger or just not feeling like feeling like there's something missing and, and constantly worrying about food while you're trying to do these other things. Um, so I found that that's really helpful. Um, before I get into, well, maybe I'll just jump right into this. Um, so nutrients that have low staying power, um, these are foods that are going to stick with you less longer. Um, you may feel full for a time, but it's short lived. So maybe you sit down and you have a big green salad and you have a tall glass of water and you truly feel full. Um, but you'll find that maybe 30 minutes to an hour later, you're back on the hunt, on the prowl for something because it's just not as satisfying and it's missing those elements. Um, so these include things like high bulk, low calorie foods. So um, fruits and vegetables kind of fall into that category where they have a lot of water in them and they're bulky, but they just don't have a lot of substance to them. Um, the next one would be air foods. Um, so these will fill up your stomach, but they also um, lack substance. So that would be like rice cakes and puff cereals um, and sugar-free beverages. And the last category would be artificial sweetened foods or like low carbohydrate foods. Um, they replace carbohydrates with sugar alcohols um, and they can make you feel full temporarily. Um, so that would include like energy bars or sugar-free uh, gluten, or sorry, gelatin. Um, and carbohydrate desserts, um, things like of that nature. So um, those things aren't, so I don't want you to feel locked into making all your meals and snacks have high staying power because you know how you feel from day to day changes. Um, some days you might just want a green salad or a green smoothie and have something lighter. And some days you might want a hamburger. You want something that's really going to sustain you. And you really have to look at your um, schedule throughout the whole day. You know, do you have a work meeting for two or three hours and you're eating a rice cake before that? Um, you're probably going to find that you're gonna be hungry during that time. Um, and it's gonna be harder to concentrate. You might get irritable. You might, you know, suffer from fatigue. Um, so looking at that. Do you have any questions, Kirsten? Yeah, I do. Or anybody? So what if, so the, what I'm kind of automatically thinking about, I love the overall idea of not like feeling locked in, but these are, you know, really good educational things to think about in order when we're doing, when we're planning our snacks and meals. So when you were saying, when you were giving the example, which I love about the white bread and then increasing the staying power, what if, let's just play with us a little bit. What if we were trying to train ourselves or our kids or our family into enjoying foods that have a little bit more nutrient density and staying power when I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just my kids, but you know, they gravitate towards, they want, and then they won't eat some of the better, like staying power, or they won't combine enough foods to give you that, uh, like, complete nutrients, so to speak. So yeah. what do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. When it comes to kids, like it's easier to, you know, just focus on yourself, but then you have a family to also consider as well. 
Um, so with that, I'd say like always remember that um, what people eat is, you know, something that is a part of their autonomy. Um, you can't make people eat food. Um, and often it comes into a power struggle if you're doing that with kids. Um, I would say it's fine with kids to have some structure and um, to have meal, uh, meal times. Um, and then to also be attentive to their hunger and fullness cues. You know, your body is extremely good at being able to understand what calorie needs you have much more so than an app. Um, and so being able to, you know, figure out maybe my child does need a snack in between, you know, breakfast and lunch um, and being able to ask them, you know, they're probably pretty good about telling you that they're hungry. Um, as we get older, that tends to get buried, that ability to tell whether they're hungry or full or not. Um, so I think being like attentive to that. And I think it's fine to tell your kids like, sorry, we're gonna have dinner in an hour, even though they're like, I'm starving. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's fine to have some boundaries around that. And um, really, uh, if you've heard of Ellen Satter, she talks about the division of responsibility. So as a parent, really your job is to decide what, when and where you eat and your child gets to decide if they eat and if how much they wanna eat. Um, so if you are offering a variety of foods, you know, that's that's the best you can do. And um, if they decide, no, nah, I'm not going to have anything, <laughs> well, um, that's kind of outside of our control. And, you know, as you're planning meals, you also want to consider their uh, the things that they like as well. And so I try to do a balance of that, the things I like and my husband likes, my kids like. Um, but as far as, um, you know, short order cooking, where you're making multiple meals at a time, um, I feel like that will just burn you out. So, yeah. True um, that. that. I mean, as an adult, I can think of the long game more, and I notice the things that I used to like. Tell me the scientific reason for this. So, the things I used to like, because I was like, why not? I now I'm like, that doesn't even sound good to me. Like, I would much prefer a multi-grain carb than like a really light like a I could eat a whole loaf of those like you know light white bread you know what I mean <laughs> I could sit down and just eat the whole thing and I wouldn't even feel satisfied right so um what is there like is that just a weird thing that happened to me or What's the scientific reason behind that? I understand that sentiment. I think as a kid, I used to like love frosting. <laughs> you know, you just like eat the frosting. <laughs> You're like, I can't stand it at all. Um, but I think your tastes change as you're older, like you're exposed to more foods and you have more experiences. I think um, your, like, your mindset and your memories and thoughts about foods change. I think also there's something to say about, you know, a child is growing and um, as you're growing, you're probably going to be more drawn to those things that um, are higher in calorie. So I kind of wonder if that's a factor as well. Okay. So, well, Nicole, will you help us do the thing, please? So we can go ahead and we can, I am usually really good at this, but I'm feeling like you just take the reins, girl. <laughs> so how can we learn to apply these tips right now? I think that sounds good. Um, so I'm trying to think of other steps to give you. As far as like breakfast and lunch goes, um, I usually have, you know, two to four things that we often make. And then I just rotate through that. For lunch, I'll make one or two big soups. 
that just are packed full of vegetables and whole grains and beans and lentils. Um, and then we'll just eat off of that for the week. Um, so you can make a, I have a list of snacks that I also have and I kind of stick with and then the same thing for lunches. And then another thing to mention is to always have some quick meals that you have as part of your list. Um, I find that's really helpful. Like we have, we like quesadillas. Um, which are super easy to make. You just take a corn tortilla and cheese and then we put avocado on top and I grab whatever raw vegetables we have and hummus and fruit and it's just this beautiful spread. It takes about 10 minutes to make. So you want to include, you know, two or three of those on nights where it's super busy. Um, but also, like, if you, you know, try out this approach if you want. Um, if you just want to, you know, dip your toes in the water, you know, maybe plan one or two meals that you want to stick with um, and try it out and see how you like it. So. Yeah, I like that. So if you're feeling like, okay, what Nicole's talking about is like NBA level, I want the seventh grade level of basketball training or food training, then I love that idea of let's Let's take it one step in that direction and have a few meals. You also said, I, I felt like you kind of went through this pretty quickly because it's natural to you, I'm sure, is so you have these like meals. Do you make extra so you have leftovers? I've been noticing as we, as you know, the kids are growing up, we're eating more. I'm like, we don't have any leftovers. So is that something you think about or like what's happening there? For sure. Yeah. Every family is going to be different. Um, we uh, usually are fine with the regular serving that the recipe suggests. And then we'll often have leftovers, except if it's pizza night, that's always gone that night. Um, so usually I'm like, okay, next, next day I got to be thinking about what I'm making next. Um, but yeah, so I would just take that into account. You might need to double, um, the serving size. So it's going to be different for each family, but yeah, take that into consideration. You might need to, like for me, I plan three to four meals plus leftovers. For you, it might be five to six meals that you're planning. Okay. Because like, would you say it'd be a good idea to double the recipe so then you do have leftovers? Um, you can. I think I might get bored of the food, um, but at the same time, I do that with soup where we have you know, usually one big pot of soup that I eat for lunch um, multiple days during the week. So I would, I don't know, I feel like it's just going to be different for each person and yeah. just don't be afraid to, you know, just play around with it and you might discover, oh, I don't like that, but at least you learned like that's a route that you don't like. Yeah, that's true. I like to do a bunch of cold chicken in the crock pot and then I can make it different ways. So I do like to do it in that way, but I know what you mean. Like, I don't want to have the same thing on repeat for like four days in a row. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess it's okay if it's one meal, but if it's like your lunch and dinner is, you know, right. the same thing. <laughs> right, that's true. So someone's asking about an idea for breakfast ideas for kids besides cereal. Yeah, so we um, make waffles and you can actually batch cook those and freeze them. Um, so there's a lot of really good recipes out there that, um, you know, you can add like peanut butter or you can do whole grain flour that has more fiber um, and you can really just pack in some nutrients into that and have more staying power. I found that's pretty easy with kids. 
um, that they'll eat waffles and pancakes for sure. Um, and it's easy to kind of add those um, parts to make it have higher staying power. So I do that. Um, oatmeal is great. And I love oatmeal because you can make it in so many different ways. Um, you could add chia seeds on top. I always make mine with milk and that adds protein and fat, depending on what kind you're making, uh, what milk you're using. Um, so you're just going to increase the staying power there. Um, but you can put chia seeds on top. You can put bananas. Um, you can do pumpkin seeds. You can do nuts. Um, there's all sorts of variation there. Um, so that's usually our go-to. Yeah, I think like making it fun with whether it be like the taco bar or the oatmeal bar, like you can make it fun about what you get adding and like themes. As you can see, fun is a is a high uh, motivational factor for me, so it helps. No, that's good. I yeah, I'm a firm believer that your meal should be enjoyable. So one of the things we were talking about that we're hoping maybe we can we can get from people is um, like more foods that would fit into those categories to kind of put together because that made sense to a lot of us, but we're like, but what does that mean? <laughs> So if I'm hearing right, you just aren't sure what recipes to use that have those um, elements of high staying power. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Um, so I would say start with what you have. Um, does someone have an example of a recipe that they often use? And we can always add things to that to make it have um, high staying power. So for spaghetti. Like a lot of times a quick meal spaghetti with mm -hmm. either beef or uh, sausage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for that, um, I would get whole grain spaghetti because that has more fiber. Um, you can blend up beans and put it inside the sauce, and that's going to give you more fiber and more protein. Um, you could cook lentils and just add that to the dish. And these are just options. I mean, you can do that in addition to the meat, but if you wanted to go to a meatless option, you can do that as well because the lentils they'll have fiber, um, they'll have some protein. So that's an option too. I've also done it with cashews, same thing, blending it up and just adding it to the sauce. Really, it gets out like really small, tiny or what? Um, I guess I have a blend tech, I don't know. Okay. Um, but yeah, it will, it's not like perfect. You know, it's gonna okay. give it some texture. Um, yeah. Maybe if I blend it a little bit more, it would be completely smooth. Um, but yeah, I'll just put that in the sauce um, for some more protein and fiber because nuts have protein and fiber and fat. So you can go with that option and then you can look at what sides you're adding. Like if you're um, adding a fruit, that's going to give it some more fiber and protein or more um, carb. Um, if you're, you can add some garlic bread and make that whole grain. Um, you could add salad. Um, does that start to make sense how you can start to add these things in the meal? I think it's helpful too to realize, okay, what things are protein and fat sources. Um, like with protein, you can do beans, lentils, um, dairy products are protein, um, and then meats um, and fish and things of that nature. Um, and yeah, like eggs. So those are kind of your big protein sources. Um, and then with fat, you can do like olive oil, um, avocados, olives, um, butter, I'm trying to think what other fat sources there are. Yeah, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> if you had some, you can put it in the chat. 
for sure. I feel like I, if I get too rigid, then it doesn't feel good to me either. So I like the flexibility of this, but then also the loose structure that still there's the, the framework there, which is nice. I also like, I've been finding, I really like formulas. So thinking of that high staying power formula of like, how can I make, and there's going to be days where it's like, yeah, you're not here to up level. You're here to just eat whatever <laughs> it, but having those convenient things. But when you're thinking about it, okay, how can I build this formula out to have good high staying power food that's going to give myself energy throughout the day and what I need to do? Cause I'm doing great things. Like having that mindset to be like, this is going to be an awesome day. And here's, you know, just this formula I can use to help me have high staying power food. I like it. Yay. Can we give Nicole a hand? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's thank Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. You're awesome. That was thank so you, helpful. Thanks thank for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, it was awesome. Thank you for listening to Making Changes You Love to Live With Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe. It's completely free. And share this with a friend. You never know when you could just make their day.